0: Welcome to Living Social Justice Podcast, an initiative of Common Ground Church and Common Good, where we explore our lifestyle response to topics of social justice. Our hope is that a growing number of Christ followers begin to individually and collectively live out justice,
1: creating a groundswell of positive change in our society.
0: Hi, thanks for joining us um, for this episode. My name is Chris and I'll be hosting you today. We are joined for a second time on this podcast by guest Mel Mochlatla. Welcome, Mel. Hi. Um, and Jonathan Wow. Welcome. Hi there. Um, so Mel and Jonathan uh, are from Common Ground Constantiaburg Congregation. Um, Mel, do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about the Constantiaburg Congregation and the SJM team, which you hit up?
1: Yeah. Um, our church, as the name suggests, meets in uh, the Constantia area. Our social justice team, we are categorized in three different mandates one being about discipleship one neighborhood impact and one um, our triple e with common good which is early life employment and education cool. and um so our team is built with teams that focus on those three areas and um yeah
0: awesome and Constantia Berg as a congregation how did you end up there I know you've chatted a bit about yeah. um your like your journey to this church in our Hmm. previous podcast but maybe for new listeners
1: how did you end up in that church yeah um we don't even live in the area we live in (laughs) musenberg um but i was a part of a church plant in capricorn the township of capricorn in musenberg and um because of some circumstances left that church and really was looking for another place to worship and uh got an opportunity to to kind of be a part of the missional community of of Constantinburg and found some like-minded people that said hey we want to build um, relationships in townships and um specifically in Capricorn and Frechand and I said I want to be a part so Mm. that's kind of how we got there amazing yeah
0: that's really cool
1: um so Jonathan it's your first time on our podcast
0: um and yeah welcome tell us maybe a little bit about yourself you're clearly not from South Africa
2: (laughs) I'm not, I'm not, although uh, after 30 years I'm sort of most, home, I'm, I'm more yeah. South African <laughs> yeah. than I am British. Yeah, i totally home. Yeah, I've given my age away, I'm 57. <laughs> um, so yeah, I come from the, the UK, my ancestors are all from England, I was born in a place called Norwich in 1961, uh, it's an agricultural area primarily, all white, I don't ever remember meeting a non-white person. Uh, my dad was in the RAF, uh, the Royal Air Force, and my mum was a hairdresser. Um, I, after school, got into IT and then was a committed adrenaline junkie and would <laughs> do on-road and off-road motorcycling, hand-gliding, paragliding, anything that was dangerous, uh, I was keen on. <laughs> that sounds sound like a boy. <laughs> uh, in 1988, I left the UK at age 27, and uh, that was... ...due to the fact that I made friends with a couple of uh, South African uh, Christian girls... ...very attractive girls... (laughs) uh, ...who came over to work in the same city where I was. I was actually living in Manchester at the time. And uh, they were the first real Christians that I'd met. Um, And they were full of life, full of energy... ...totally committed to Christ. And I was really intrigued. Um, I arrived in Durban on a Sunday... And uh, having been to a party with them in the afternoon, I asked them, well, what are you doing this evening? And, of course, they were all going to church, the church being Glenridge. And oh, so... There it's so many people who go there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an amazing, amazing community. And uh, it was my first time of going to church voluntarily. So I'd only ever been to, you know, dragged along to a, a wedding or a funeral previously. <laughs> and uh, I was standing in this church context, probably about 250 people at the time, uh, in a school hall and looking around me in, during worship and realizing, I want what these people have got. Yeah. Um, and I'd been on a journey for about six months after these two girls had stayed with me. They sowed seeds of, of the gospel. The Holy Spirit was working on my heart back in the UK while I was uh, on my own. Um, So he was preparing me Mm -hmm. for that moment. And uh, so I I basically said, well, what do these people got? And the answer was Jesus. So I said, well, I want Jesus. Uh, And it was as simple as that. And from that point on, everything changed. My Mm -hmm. concept of community, of relationships. Uh, I felt uh, for the first time a, a call, a sense of God speaking to me and wanting me to stay where I was in Durban instead of going off to New Zealand which is where I was headed. Um, And I got into uh, IT work in Durban. Just stepping back to the UK, the entire growing up experience I was never exposed to the gospel and had uh, an extremely self-centered, very selfish, very much my pleasure was my main focus Mm -hmm. in life. And uh, I left a trail of broken relationships behind me, um, not just friends and girlfriends, but family as well. Uh, And so once I was saved and hooked up with a church community and and really embraced by the community, I realized I had an awful lot to learn about what it meant to be a friend, what it meant to live in community, and how to love others like Jesus.
0: Wow. Uh, What was... um, you mentioned Glenridge as the community that you joined. Um, in terms of diversity, there because that would have been the 80s ish when you joined. That's
2: right. It was 88, so it was a, it was quite a time in South Africa's history because most whites that uh, you know you would have met were probably planning on leaving the country or were leaving the country. And there I was I knocking on the door, and they gave, me
0: Coming the <laughs> way.
2: they gave me permanent residency in a matter of weeks because they couldn't <laughs> believe that somebody wanted to come wow. in. Um, and the cultural context that I landed in in, in Glenridge, it was a very progressive, um, very uh, culturally aware community wow. that was reaching out, building bridges, building relationships with other churches mm-hmm. in, in non-white areas. And um, so I was very rapidly introduced to all sorts of cultures. I worked with Indians. I worshipped with uh, all sorts of cultures in the church. Yes. Um, I went and stayed in Zulu huts in the Valley of a Thousand Hills nice. out, in, in, in the, out in the Natal countryside. Um, yeah, so it was a real baptism of the beauty of the diversity of culture. Wow. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, the, the night I got saved, uh, a black guy from Gazankulu uh, up near the Kruger Park was preaching. Mm-hmm. I can even remember his name uh, philip No, i can 't remember his surname now <laughs> it 's gone it's that 's because i 'm being recorded <laughs> uh, and uh, I hardly understood a word he said because of the deep black african voice he and he was that. he was a hang of a preacher, but um, I knew that what he was saying was true. Amazing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so so yeah, a, a baptism of, of the beauty of multiculturalism, I suppose. Um, in 1996, I married my wife Saskia. We met at Glenridge, both involved in leadership there. And then within a few months, we moved to Cape Town. So 97 wow. arrived in Cape Town, and with the IT business transferring me, and we were looking around for a church. Tried various churches, and we heard about Rigby and Sue. So we were aware of them. Um, and so we met with them uh, and said, hey, this is us. You know, we're down here. We're looking around. And so they were totally convinced that we should you know, join in. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I phoned Rigby a few days later, having given Saskia f- a few days to think about it. I knew instantly in my heart that we were, <laughs> we were going to go, but I, I did the right thing. And um, so I phoned Rigby and said, hey, we're with you but we hadn't actually been to the church. Wow. And we joined them that Sunday, and it was the first uh, Sunday that of their new leadership of that church. Wow, church was amazing. called Church on the Rock, which became Friends First, mm. which became Common Ground.
0: Incredible. You must be one of the few who have been around since yeah. Church on the Rock days. Yeah. There can't be many of your
2: kind around <laughs> the, Yeah, I think we, there's not too many. <laughs> uh, yeah, th- those were wonderful days. It was a lot of fun. And uh, it really was um, God drawing us into the greatest adventure of our married life. Um wow. and it, it, was, it was an amazing opportunity. Mm. Uh, we had our kids 2001, 2004, Jordan and Olivia. They're now at Westerford. Of course, they're delightful teenagers. <laughs> no problems at all with no teenagers. No No, nothing. They're
1: sneaking around. <laughs> <laughs> they're very polite to me, at least.
2: They're on their best behavior with visitors. That's why yeah. we have so many visitors in our house. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then we went over the over the mountain for a couple of uh, years, 2009, to serve in a, a little church in Heart Bay called Shoreline, and then 2010, um, an accumulation of various stresses and challenges in my life resulted in my health really breaking down mm. uh, to the point where I really thought that uh, this was my way into heaven, <laughs> and God decided no, and he still had more for me to do, mm-hmm. and... Uh, for the last five years, I've been reversing those chronic diseases, and I uh, happen to be in the best shape I've ever been in my 57 years now.
0: <gasps> you look beautiful, John. You look really ravishing. Thank you,
2: thank you. Um, and yeah, and I'm now back into the marketplace as an account manager at the same IT company. Oh wow,
0: that's great. That's really cool. Awesome. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I am also from Natal, Um, also grew up there. Um. I was born the year that you arrived. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's some history and you can work out my age now. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool to hear like familiar names like Glenridge and Valley of a Thousand Hills. So that's that's really, really cool. Um, maybe you, Jonathan, you can also tell us a little bit about um, the diversity dinner that you took part in. So uh, Jonathan and Mel met at a diversity dinner um, which is an event that Constantinburg had. So maybe you can tell us what that entails, how you ended up there?
2: Sure. Well, we've been, as I've been recovering my health and recovering energy and capacity and vision and just wanting to get more involved again, we were looking for ways that we could get involved in a small way um, without making commitments that I perhaps couldn't fulfill. And so the diversity dinner was a wonderful opportunity to, it's just two evenings, Meeting new people, very relaxed around a meal. So Saskia and I love that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Sounds like a normal thing to do. A yeah. very normal thing, yeah. So we we, we found it extremely accessible, and uh, the first night we just fell in love with all these people. It was a it was a great evening, and uh, it was a very powerful experience. Um, it it was a, a very Moving experience. I can say a little bit more if you want. Um, yeah, well, go ahead, please. Yeah, so I think for Saskia and I, um, it, it was a learning experience because um, as, as white South Africans, and I, I'll class myself as a white South African now, it, it, it really is, we, we tend to live in a bubble, um, yeah. partly because we want to protect ourselves, but um, the reality is that we really did not appreciate what black and colored people had really gone through Um, and so in the the learning experience was was to appreciate that to hear what people had gone through under apartheid Mm -hmm. and how much every one of us and our ideas of community are affected by the ungodly distortion of apartheid Mm -hmm. Um, it was a moving experience for us to hear the stories and and to hear the heart cry to be understood Uh, It was a very difficult experience to be confronted with the pain that others suffered whilst we were enjoying huge privilege. It was a humbling experience um, to be told by coloured and black folk sitting around my dining room table telling us that we don't want your land and your possessions. We just want to be heard. Mm. We want to be understood and feel supported. Mm. Um, It was a very challenging experience Uh, to rethink what it means to stand against injustice. Mm -hmm. And it was a wonderful experience, because we made new friends, including Melanie here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, personally, it was a novel experience, to be Mm -hmm. the only white male at my dining room table with eight of us sitting around the table. That's actually pretty novel. That was novel. Um, It was a freeing experience. Uh, to hear brothers and sisters giving me counsel about how to respond to their pain and my guilt, because I really had no idea how to deal with that.
0: That must be so helpful to just hear from people that you see every Sunday at church, telling you, you know, the way that you can engage. Wow.
2: Yeah, great. yeah. No, they were they were extremely gracious and uh, very sensitive, and it was it was it was very a very freeing and powerful experience. And lastly, for me, it was a, it was a humbling um, and very helpful experience because after hearing others' stories, I felt I could trust these new friends enough to be able to ask, as a white male born into privilege and from birth, believing in my superiority over other cultures and over women, I want to change. I want to be more like Jesus. Please help me. Sure. And their responses were... Listen to the point where others feel heard. So listen long enough until my black and colored friends feel like I've heard them. Mm. Uh, stand up for those who have and still are suffering. And reject guilt. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so very powerful and humbling input mm. from these new friends.
1: The mm. Um I want to give a little bit of history of uh, diversity dinners Mm. first, because this was not our idea. Um, (laughs) Rondebosch, Common Ground Rondebosch, actually started this. And um, George and Bev Draper were the the initiators, the catalysts to this. And um, this was a few years ago, and they just really felt they wanted more unity in diversity in their congregation. Um, So they came up with this beautiful script um, that starts and ends with communion. Um, leveling the table so that we we're sitting around a table knowing that we are all here because we believe in Jesus we believe in um yeah yeah what we have in common so I think that's huge um and the purpose of diversity dinners there is about congregation not just um yeah unity but but unity in the spirit So thanks to George and Bev for guiding me through the process. I went to one of their dinners, learned how they did it, took it back to our elders in our congregation and um, made a few tweaks of what would work in our context. Um, Our elders really felt that we needed to do two dinners with the same group. Um, yes. So the first dinner is like a just a bring and share. Um, everybody brings a dish, and you have these little get to know you cards on the table. Um, fun little questions about your culture, your history, um, things like uh, what, how did you celebrate birthdays growing up, or um, what was church like when you were a child. And oh. yeah, so you just start these conversations. Yeah,
0: exactly. Stage.
1: Yeah. Um, and so you, you start just with surface, but um, understanding each other's culture at, at the surface. And then um, also the, the dish that you bring uh, could have some sort of story. So some sort of memory behind it, or um, it's also a catalyst for conversation. Yeah. Um, so, so that's the, the history of Diversity Dinners. Um, I kind of inherited the mission. I came on the social justice team while the signups had already happened. And um, wow. I think someone just said, oh, there's, you didn't have a choice. <laughs> there's a rookie, let me give her this job. So um, yeah, so I, I inherited this uh, a few years back. And it was quite a challenge, to be honest, because um, the way it was kind of announced in our church. Everybody got excited about it, but there wasn't a whole lot of diversity in our church at, <laughs> at the time. Um, so, yeah, it, it, to to make sure that enough diverse voices were around a table um, was difficult. And, you know, it's taken us a long time to get through the dinners year plus um, because y- you have to kind of recruit other voices and make wow. sure um, you've, you've got enough represented. So, I love that Jonathan said he was the only white male around the table. It's like <laughs> because, a victory for you. Yay! You <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and we're still going. We still got diversity dinners going on. Um, wow. Right now, I want to say we have over 90 people that have been through the dinners in Constantiaberg. Wow. Um, 10 like a quarter of your congregation.
0: It's so that's amazing. close to a
1: quarter, right? Yeah. 10, wow. 10 going on 11 hosts. Um, we're about to have another host come on board. Oh. So we've got a lot I'm of people. Jake, you'd surprised.
0: Yeah, I didn't know it was so big. That's it's amazing.
1: It's huge, and and it's a labor of love because, like Jeez. I said, it hasn't been without challenge. Um, even while we were testing the dinners with our eldership, um, it didn't go so smoothly, and there there are a lot of you know, Jonathan. I think with our dinner, we we just it was at ease and we were we love telling our stories so the second dinner um, the first dinner is like a, a bring and share kind of surfacy the second dinner you're prepared to come and tell your South African story um, and so it doesn't have to be heated we're not asking you to bring out all of your dirty laundry and the things that you want reconciled but we want to hear your story you know what what was what was life like for you growing up in South Africa. Um, me being from the United States I come in with um, you know different views of my South African story and so we all have a story we all have something to say around how we've experienced the troubles um, of racial division in South Africa Um, but yeah it's it's quite the quite the experience
0: it sounds so incredible. So yeah. it's a two-night event. Yeah. Obviously not two consecutive nights, no, no, right? No.
1: Yeah. Um yeah. Maybe like uh, every, I think we did it one month.
0: Okay, so like and a then, month apart, a yeah, couple of weeks yeah, yeah. apart. Mm. One night is kind of just getting to know each other so that these aren't yes. strangers that you're sharing. This exactly. This kind of deep story. Exactly. Because I think you're right. Like we don't, It's it, the event isn't created with a heart of airing our dirty laundry. Exactly. It's more created with a heart of, sharing our story. Some people, I'm one of those people, I'll sit down at a table, I'll tell anyone my story. Anyone who will listen can hear my story. Mm. But for a lot of people, like that's a really uh, precious, um, sacred space. And so I think that's a great idea that like a precursor meal Mm -hmm. to share a little bit about yourself before you jump right into my South African story. Right, right. Yeah,
2: Yeah, if I can just add here, I Mm. I think one of the great strengths of the way Melanie has, has sort of led this process um, is that she coaches extremely well on the listening element. Wow. So just uh, sitting there and actively listening to somebody else telling their story is really beautiful. healing. It's mm-hmm. very imagine. powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that I, I want to commend you on. Mm-hmm. Was oh, was very well done. Yeah. And and we we could see the power of that just listening um, yeah, around imagine. the table.
1: Yes. And that's a that's a good point is um, when we're doing our diversity dinners, we ask the host to be aware of three things, one being um, that we want to companion with each other, that Mm -hmm. that term of um, sharing ourselves with each other. That's that's a huge um, point of diversity dinners. The second being to tell your South African story, whatever your story was, um, is valid at this table Mm -hmm. and not judged and you, you have the freedom to speak. And then third, we um, want to in- encourage and foster authentic community. That being at the table, but also after the dinner. Yes. Um, this is all about building Can't new friendships. Off, right? Exactly. We want to um, widen our, our sight when we go to church. We want to see new friends. We want to um, encourage people of all races and nations and tongues to, to come and be friends um, at the oh, table. Cool. Yeah, yeah.
0: Makes my heart—it really makes my heart swell—to oh. hear that heart. Um, that's just incredible. Um, Jonathan, maybe you can tell us uh, a little bit about how God used diversity is to minister to you. I've heard a little bit about your story from behind the scenes, but I would love for our listeners to be able to hear this as a—not just you and people in your congregation and um, connection, but a you and God connection.
2: Uh, well, one way was. Uh, he's helped us to become more aware of the opportunities around us Mm -hmm. to hear other stories and and to build bridges. And one practical way that that works itself out is that on a Sunday when we're in the church environment um, and we see somebody of colour, a black person, perhaps on their own, perhaps they're a new visitor uh, or a couple looking awkward, we go over to them and we can say hello and try mm. and make them feel more welcome Amazing. Uh, and sometimes these have borne quite good fruit where we've said hello to a mum and dad and then the following week there's five of them instead of oh. just the two uh, so I think that God simply highlighted um, the simplicity of initiating a, a simple yes. friendly and it is hello simple, right? like it's, it's really is so really simple, simple. And, and he's also increased our trust that he will use those simple initiatives mm. um, to heal all of us. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, we're more aware, I think, that God is building his church the way he wants to. We, we do want more diversity, obviously, but he's doing it his way and he's doing it one relationship totally. at a time. Mm-hmm. And we just need to... Yeah. And
0: those first steps can be simple, even though matters of diversity are complex. The first steps to building bridges, like you spoke about, can be as simple as keeping an eye out for people who are different from your church, making sure they feel like this is a place where they can be. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear... Um, a little bit from you, Mel. Uh, I imagine each group is pretty different in terms of who comes to the dinners. Um, can you maybe share one or two other victory stories from diversity dinners? So, um, yeah, Jonathan will chat a little bit um, later about his victories from diversity dinners. But I would love to hear some other yeah victories. It seems like you have yeah. loads of hosts, so I'm imagining yeah hosts of diversity dinners once were guests at diversity dinners so i mean that's a victory on its own right
1: definitely um i do want to say quickly as well that um i think there was there was more fear and uh kind of projecting the what ifs in this space um and i think we found that if you just if you just do the dinner and let the spirit move and get the get the right people and the voices around the table, God's going to do the rest. So I think as hosts, when we were training hosts and even our eldership, um, we thought about the worst case scenarios. You know, um, and people would say, you know, the hosts need to be trained as counselors. You know, what if what if a really sad sob story comes and um, people really need trauma counseling? Of course, that's possible. Um, But what people feel comfortable sharing at that second dinner is usually not their childhood traumas that are the worst, um, which could be. But in our case, I feel like the spirit took that and just allowed us to share um, our general experiences, our stories. And so I think there was more fear in holding these dinners than there actually needed to be. So I would encourage anybody that's considering doing a diversity dinner. um, Yeah, take take the right approach. Um, a heartfelt, Hey, this is, this is about communion. This is about sharing meals with, with people that we want to get to know, um, and to hear, like Jonathan said, that's a big part of it is just being listening companions. Um, but just to do it and watch God do the rest um and your question was the other hosts um yeah so they're varying experiences i think everyone that hosted had a beautiful experience of some sort and loved opening their home and i think that's what's another great thing about diversity dinners is um we're learning to do life not just in the four walls of a church but bringing it into our homes and yeah so that's a big part um but not every dinner was as wow as Jonathan's experience, you know, of of having these revelations of, um, wow, this really was my past, and I've never heard mm-hmm. stories like that before. Um, but some were just very common. And hey, I have a new friend that I've heard their story. It, it doesn't That's ha- great. exactly. It doesn't have to be these huge aha moments of mm-hmm. um, revelation of South Africans h- history, but more of I see you wow you know Yeah. Um, so yeah so I think everybody has their own experience but there are these really amazing stories like Jonathan's um, yeah cool yeah. that's great yeah hmm. I think um, so I went to a diversity dinner
0: probably three years ago okay. my husband and I were invited we went to Bev and George's one yeah Bev made the communion bread Of course, I know, I know. And she had like braided this amazing Kitka bread, and it was so incredible. Um, I don't eat carbohydrates anymore, but I did then, and it was just—it was the greatest memory. (laughs) (laughs) Like thinking back to it now, I wish I'd eaten more bread. Um, So (laughs) um, I remember like walking away from it, also go feeling a lot like Jonathan. Wow, Mm. wow! I have heard stuff about people that I've been in church with for seven years at that stage and I had no idea that that was their lived experience like a friend a, like a good friend of mine we used to run together every week I heard her say things I had never heard her say wow.
1: um, and I think those are the I mean that is why we do this is because it's rare that you go hey t- tell me how you grew up totally. and you know it's an opportunity for you yes. to, to dive deep um, yeah. and and get beyond the surface yes. yeah.
0: and there's going to be people who don't uh, feel comfortable to go deep, and that's totally. also yeah. fine. So I walked out of that and I cried. Oh, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, and my husband, went, that was nice. It's like that was that was really interesting to him. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't hit the same muscles in his heart as it sure. hit in mine. It didn't hit the same spots in his heart yeah. as it did for me. And I think that's also you're going to have that with any, and that's okay. Like any facilitated situation, like people are gonna walk away with different um like nuggets of truth from that and that's right. That's just fine. Um we read scripture like that, like we receive teaching in church like that. I think a diversity dinner has that exact same lens of if we all walk away, um yeah, if we all walk away with something different, it's okay. Mm. Um so the varied experience across diversity dinners it's pretty standard. Yeah. Not surprised at all.
1: And, And like I said the whole aim is that we we encourage authentic community. Yeah. And what that means is different to everybody. Wow. Um, but I think us really just opening our hearts and our lives to other people. Mm. Um, and homes. Mm. The idea of people getting into each other's homes is really sure. exciting to me as well. Yeah. And I, I love listening to Jonathan's story and him saying that it wasn't until you encountered church that you really encountered diversity. And that was your first experience. Isn't and so amazing? um for you to to seek that out now is is huge. It's like this is what I know of church. Mm. This is why I go to church is to be around people that are are unlike me but have the common spirit. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: incredible, yeah. Um, so just one last question um, for Jonathan Uh, after the diversity dinners um, Mel got a slot in church um, to address the church to explain what diversity dinners are um, and interviewed Jonathan and another lady who'd taken part and I would love to hear about your experience of sharing in church I would love to hear about what that was like for you Um, I know you're an old faithful so sharing in church probably wasn't scary but what was it like to chat about some issues that are difficult like sometimes we don't know the right words to convey our experiences or the people that we met with so tell us about that experience
2: uh, yeah I am an old faithful as you <laughs> describe and I have st- stood up on a, a public platform a few times um, but this was particularly nerve-wracking wow. um, because you, you realise you're treading on such a sensitive area mm. in, in everybody's life yeah. In Especially South Africa. following
0: what you heard at Diversity dinners, you suddenly have this exactly. fresh perspective of the pain that people might be carrying.
2: And and you, I was more aware of the diversity of experience that were sitting in the congregation that I'm talking mm-hmm. to. People who, you know, on the one extreme were completely clueless, and others whose lives were almost totally devastated. Um, and they're all sitting there listening to me and I've got to try and communicate God's heart to to, to everyone Mm -hmm. and knowing that um, what I'm about to say is not going to be well received by some. Uh, So that made it quite nerve-wracking. It's a little bit like preaching the gospel. You know that some people are not going to like what you've got to say. But um, yeah, it it was a nerve-wracking experience. Um, One white uh, person afterwards, she, she came up to me and she told me that uh, I made her feel really uncomfortable. Uh, but she knew it was God. Wow,
1: Amen. She said so that. She said that. Her own words, so,
2: so I was really, really encouraged That's by that. incredible. Because I think God used the uncomfortableness of the diversity dinner process to, to change my heart. And I uh, trust that you know a seed was sown in her heart, and many others who obviously didn't come up and speak. But uh, it's it, it certainly felt like God was in the room yeah, um, okay. when I was sharing. Uh, I don't know whether you want me to share one last yeah, thought around that. So um, I, I I want to make sure that people listening to this are, are not thinking that I'm an expert in this area. <laughs> I really am in the shallow end of this journey and I am a work in progress and I make mistakes all the time For sure. um, and I sometimes even get awkward in situations with work colleagues and others when I'm in a mixed context and I don't know what words to use. Wow. Is, is colored okay when speaking to that person or will they be offended? Sure. Is black okay when speaking to that person and will that person be offended? Um, it's a tricky area. It's, mm. it's not easy. Um, but you just really, I think, got to step out, make the mistakes, mm. get corrected. Yes. And most of the time, the people that I've encountered will lovingly help you and yeah. say, you know, really, that's, it's not a good way to uh, address that or, or describe those people. Um, so I don't want people to think that I've got this social justice challenge waxed no, because I certainly <laughs> yeah. I certainly haven't. Um, And I simply try to do what I feel God's calling me to do, and I often get it wrong. Um, I'm very, very grateful for the patience and the long-suffering of colored and black brothers and sisters who graciously help me and the rest of us whites in this journey. If
0: you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our channel, Living Social Justice, on Apple Podcasts and Sun. You can also find more resources on our website, commongood.org.za, including our Justice Journey courses, devotional content, and volunteer opportunities.
2: Bye for now.